I'm gonna make him an awful gamble. I feel the need, the need for speed. He's watched every movie more than once. He's Stephen Fennick. Go ahead, make my day. He's watched the latest Disney movies with his kids, uh, but that's about it. He's Trevor Long. You talking to me? Together they bring you the best movies you've never seen. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Rent BioStream, the latest and greatest movies on Fetch. The best movies you've never seen. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. With Stephen Fennick and Trevor Long. This is the captain. Brace for impact. Hello and welcome to another episode of the best movies you've never seen. My name is Stephen Fennick. This is a podcast where we discuss some of the best movies of all time. Myself, Stephen Fennick, and my good mate Trevor Long. Trevor, what car race was going on when when this movie was on uh, back in 1989? We're talking about Dead Poet Society. Uh, you you uh, haven't seen this before. That's the, that's that's what this podcast is all about. Trevor's first watch, my multiple watch, and we discuss what he likes, what he doesn't like, and the whole movie in general. Late 80s, I was too busy being an Australian touring car nerd um, to, to be watching movies. So I was right. You were watching cars going around the track. I was sure, right. no doubt. Uh, that's, that's absolutely spot on. And I, that's what I love about this is you are so deep, so, so beloved of all these movies that uh, you're literally walking me through them week by week. That's great. And you know what? I, I lo- I'm loving the feedback we're getting from our listeners too. Uh, thank, thank you for the feedback and, and the ratings. We're, the, the, the feedback we're getting is that, I've ne- I never noticed that in the movie. I didn't. I didn't realise that. So they were there. I think the whole thing about this is not just your first watch, but also we uh, the way we talk about it, the way the way we discuss it here. It gives people a new way to watch it. They they, they discover it and they could it can influence them uh, how how they perceive the movie. I think uh, that, that's what I like about this. Our deep dives into this yeah, this week. Right. We're I think excited. I think just quickly I think that that's the great thing here is you we're bringing people movies that they may have seen only once way back then yeah. and just haven't bothered to search this one up so that's that's the great opportunity yeah we got some great feedback last week someone who uh, had not seen the Planet of the Apes before and gave it a go and they thought wow uh, after our they watched it and then listened to the podcast and they thought wow that was great so th- that's the sort of feedback we love to hear but this week we're gonna we we're, we're covering. Dead Poet Society. This was released in 1989, starring Robin Williams, one of his one of his better dra- dramatic roles. We all know him, of course, as a as a comedic actor, but this was a tremendous role for him uh, in in 1989, a, a period when he was just first starting to get into the dramatic roles as well. Directed by an Australian as well, Peter Weir, 
who uh, directed Gallipoli, Witness, went on to direct The Truman Show, and Master and Commander with uh, good old Russell Crowe. Mm. The original screenplay was written by Tom Shulman, set in a high school in 1959. Did you catch the period, Trev? It was back in the day, this movie. Yeah, you know what? I I think that's one observation I'll make without giving anything away this early in the show is, I actually think it's almost timeless in that sense. Yeah. Apart from maybe, you know, cars that you see and those kind of things, because of the nature of it being a private school and things like that, it struck me as it could have been literally this decade. Yeah, I think that, and that's that's a good point. That's what makes this a film that stands up even, what is it, 30, 33, two years later. Mm. It's, it's, it's still, you're right, it is, it is kind of timeless in that it could be set today. I, I, imagine a, a reimagining of this film set in modern times. It wouldn't differ too much from the what story. What would you change? Yeah. No. Well, it's uh, set in a high school, 1959. John Keating is the new English teacher. That's the role played by Robin Williams. He's a teacher at the new at the Welton Academy. And he basically, long story short, he opens up the students' eyes and really is an inspiration to them to be free thinkers and to pursue their ultimate goal. So what were your impressions? So you'd heard about this movie. What did you know about it before you actually press play and watch the whole thing? I feel like this one lived in my mind as a trailer because of highlights and things that appear in pop culture. So I think some of this stuff appears in memes and different things like that. So, you know, I certainly knew that it was Robin Williams. That that was without – I would have got that in a in a quiz show. I would have gone, yep, Robin Williams is, is in Dead Poets Society. Um, I, I also have this vision before I watched the movie of Robin Williams standing on a desk you know, I, I so I kind of knew about the school and I knew what was broadly happening, but I, I literally knew nothing of the storyline, so I right. couldn't have even pretended to guess what it was about. But so you, um, had broad, you had a broad idea of what was involved. He was a teacher it. at a school, but that was it. That's it. Okay. Well, the film, as I said, was nominated, uh, directed by Peter Weir, uh, a great Aussie director. It was nominated for an Oscar, too. He was Best Picture nominee, Best best Director nominee here. Tom Shulman, who wrote the screenplay, actually won the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. This was the fifth highest grossing film of 1989. The films that beat it, tell me if you've seen these ones, mm-hmm. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Maybe. Batman, the original Batman with Jack Nicholson and, uh, and, and Michael Keaton. Back Can to I the just future tell you on Batman. Well, that that began playing in our household last weekend. I think it was before the kids went. Yeah, let's watch something else. Really? Um, but so we have to do Batman because I oh, that definitely. one went. Yes, this looks like a classic. Definitely on this. I know for a fact you've seen Back to the Future too. Yep. Yeah, that's a, that was also another big hit at '89. And look who's talking. So this was this was fifth behind all those those wow. films. Okay. Now before we take a deep dive into our our favourite scenes and really give away the whole movie, this is your what we call the last exit before the freeway. But if you haven't watched Dead Pilot Society and you want to watch it and then maybe come back and listen to our analysis and our our impressions of the movie, now is your chance to do so. And you can actually watch it on Fetch. Of course, and we do the show thanks to the good people at Fetch and. You know, there's nine and a half thousand movies or more in the Fetch Movie Store. The great thing is you can rent or buy. So if you hit rent, you've got seven days to start watching the movie. Watch it as many times as you want in a 48-hour period. Uh, It's easy to do just there on your Fetch. You can use Universal Search, Voice Search. So all you've got to do is press the button and ask to see Dead Poet Society, and it'll bring up all your viewing options, including rent, buy, or any streaming services that are integrated with Fetch. So it's a great 
easy service to use to get access to all these amazing movies. Uh, you can check out Fetch uh, at Fetch online, fetchtv.com.au, or go to your local retailer or ring your internet provider and see whether they have Fetch for you. All right, if you're still listening, that means that you've seen the movie and you're ready to go, strap in. We're going to talk about uh, the film in depth. But first of all, Trev, your first impressions now. You've watched it for the first time. Yep. What are your first impressions? I loved it. I, I thought that it was one of those great kind of sit back, um, enjoy, take in. So much to I, – I feel like I learned a lot during it because – not just because it was a school and all that, but I, I feel like it was a real proper emotional journey with, with, a, with a few characters. Um, I don't think there was a moment in it that would, was dull or, you know, didn't add to the movie, which I loved about it. Um, but plot-wise, man, it, it hit me for six. I didn't see, you know, most of the ending coming. It was, uh, it was hard to watch. All right, and, and you, so it, it sort of was, it, it was better than you thought. I'm, I'm assuming. Yep. So what, yep. what, what sort of tweet would you put out here? Yeah, I, I think this one's again one of those ones where you're saying something like, um, you, you know, this is one of Robin Williams' classics, but it's not what you expect from Rob, Robin Williams. It's, it's a great story, um, that will that will take you on an emotional roller coaster. Well, I remember the first time I watched this in cinemas. It was back in 1989, and it was uh, when I was it was while I was playing for Souths, but I was injured with I had a knee reconstruction, and I thought I was at home, I wasn't working, I was injured, and I thought I'm going to go off to the movies, and I went up to the Randwick Ritz, and at the time during the day shows movies were only shown in the main theatre, and they only opened the top part of the theatre during the day. Right, and I said, mate, look at me. How am I going to get up the stairs? Can someone? Can you maybe just open up downstairs? They said, yeah, sure thing. So they opened up the bottom of the Randwick Ritz main cinema just for me. <laughs> no one else there but me. So I sat there and they, I said, mate, can you carry my drink of popcorn too? I've got crutches. I can't do that myself. <laughs> so they carried that in for me. And I sat there like it was just put on for me. Yeah, wow. The Randwick Ritz. And, mate, it added to my enjoyment of it. It really has – it really struck me. This film has had an effect on me. Still to this day, I, I rate it as one of one of my all time favorite movies. It was really had a incredible theme to it. Uh, I've watched it several times since, and I just really just it's such a well crafted movie. Like I've seen it enough times to see the the shots that Peter Weir's done and his framing of various things and the, the fantastic young cast that he had. Yes, tremendous movie. Well, that that's one of the things I noticed about it too. Was you know I was looking at all the characters, these young characters um I, and and again for those listening who love their movies and actors and stuff i don't know any of these people's names other than robin williams we'll talk about um, them in a second yeah but you know the the, the i recognize these guys from things that i know that like neil i know him as a doctor in house exactly. um do you know what i mean like i'm just yeah. going oh that guy and so you realize well, that this this is like an early part of their journey and absolutely. imagine casting for a movie like this where the the absolutely overwhelming percentage of the, the movie outside of this main teacher character is young actors. It's a, it's a lot of weight to put on the shoulders of a young actor. I would have thought. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that, 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 just speaking of the actors, let's go into the next section casting call. So obviously, you know, Robin Williams known for comedy, but he shows in this movie, he can yeah. carry a drama as well was nominated for best actor. Oscar didn't win. Really? It. He, he, he ended up winning his, he, you know, he was nominated four times for an Oscar, Robin Williams. Wow. And, and one, he won for best supporting actor for goodwill hunting a few years later. Uh, but as I was mentioned, the excellent young cast was probably led by Ethan Hawke. This was one of his very first films. He plays Todd Anderson, who's that young 
shy kid. His brother, I think, was like a legend at the school, and he had a lot of. Remember, those principal said, "Oh, you got large, big shoes to fill, young man." Uh, and Robert Sean Leonard, who you mentioned, played Neil. Uh, player, his name's Neil Perry. Uh, who's who's a very famous chef here in Australia, as you know. Uh, And he, like you said, he went on to uh, star in House and also in Law and Order. SVU yes. was in the yes. SVU as well, and the other the other character that stood out for me too was Josh Charles, who played Knox Overstreet. He also was on that uh, Aaron Sorkin show, Sports Night, uh, and also uh, was also in the, in The Good Wife. More recently, he was in a Netflix film, a Netflix series, I should say, uh, starring uh, opposite Hilary Swank called Away. Uh, Hilary Swank plays the astronaut who goes to Mars. He plays her husband who's on, on Earth dealing with all the dramas down here. So uh, a, a tremendous young cast. Peter Weir did some amazing things. We'll, we'll talk later on in the uh, Did You Know section about how he got this young cast together and what he did to prepare them for the film. So let's let's hop on into the memorable scenes. And, of course, you you can't go past the one of the early scenes where you're introduced to Todd Anderson. Yeah. I mentioned earlier the principal who was saying to him about how, you know, put, if, as if there wasn't enough pressure on him to start yeah. with, he said, look, you know, your, your brother was one of our finest, so you better live up to his expectations. And then, of course, we meet Neil and also his very, very controlling father who basically tells him, he said, look, you, you, we've, we've sacrificed a lot for you. Yeah. I want to be a doctor. You know, that's it. So... And then I, I love the bit where his friends, who were the, the the guys who were hanging out there, he says, "Oh, you should stand up to him, Neil." He goes, oh, "Don't you talk? Yeah, future I, banker, future lawyer." I thought that was a brilliant part because you have this moment where you know Neil's father has just given him a bollocking, and he takes him out of the room, and he, and Neil goes back into the room, and they they confront him like that, and you do think that he's just going to get you know bashed you know emotionally by these guys, but he just immediately turns it on them, going yeah. as if you would do any different, <laughs> which is totally true, and it was actually it's kind of a moment where you go. That's a, it's a well-written show for that for that very reason. It, it doesn't try to you know put some huge you know weight on on one guy. They've all got this shared burden. Yeah, they've all got a shared burden of of responsibility and expectation uh, yeah. at this moment. You got to remember too. It was we're talking 1959, so it was yeah. a period there where very conservative. Uh, it was uh, the families were really interested in obviously their their children succeeding, going to college, and setting up setting themselves up for life. So it really set the tone early, I thought for for uh, for the film about what we can what we're going to be expecting for the rest. Yeah, of and it. I think this is the moment where you go. You set up the, the the boys there. You set up the students that that core group there, and then they move into. To setting up Williams, and you do see Williams quickly in uh, in the kind of uh, hall area, just sitting you know behind a couple of the teachers there. But then they move into this moment in Robin Williams' classroom. Oh, Captain, my Captain. <clears throat> Who knows where that comes from? It's from a poem by Walt Whitman about Mr. Abraham Lincoln. Now, in this class, you can either call me Mr. Keating, or if you're slightly more daring, Oh, Captain, my Captain. See. This is this is a again. It's a, just a, such a great setup moment because you realise in this really simple the way it was shot. You know, kind of seeing all these stuck up old teachers. You realise, hang on a minute. This guy who is a former student um, has come back and is bringing his own style of teaching to this classroom. And it's man, it's it's a quite a powerful little scene that moment. Yeah. And and you see the the look of shock on these boys. It's not like yeah. they've 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 seen anything like this before. I think the whole thing is played out beautifully well. 
So out of the gate, you know that he's sort of uh, not not the same sort of cookie cutter teacher mm. that they've expected over the years. That poem actually that he refers to was actually that Walt Whitman's a real poet, and that poem was written in 1881 about Abraham Lincoln, oh captain, oh. my captain. So uh, the setup was it was amazing, and the theme of that, which remember it was down in the in the in the sort of lobby area of the school where all the students' old pictures were. And he said, "Look, you walk past this these every day, but you've never really looked at these photos. These were young guys like you, but you know what? All these people you're seeing here now, they're fertilizing daffodils. They're dead." So this is sort of where the first first sort of instinct where you need to make your lives extraordinary. Do something to to, so that one day you're going to shrivel up and die, so do something with your life. And I think that's, again, the moment where you go, is this guy just going to be a a loose cannon in the classroom? But then taking the kids out, and you think he's just standing there giving them a bloody tour or something, but then you realise he's got these really deep messages he, he has these focused moments of very clear messaging to the kids in, in that moment where they you know he's making them huddle around and and i think he whispers as if he's the voices of those you yeah. know <laughs> photographs it's uh, it's really well done uh, you can you can imagine uh, uh an extraordinary teacher wanting to be that way absolutely well we we, we soon see his teaching style in the next scene where they get out their poetry books i want you to rip out that page Mm-hmm. Rip out the entire page. You heard me. Rip it out. Rip it out. Come on. Rip it out. Thank you, Mr. Dalton. Gentlemen, tell you what, not just tear out that page, tear out the entire introduction. I want it gone. History. Leave nothing of it. So that was that was quite a scene where it it that that little moment. You could tell the characters of all the students. Mm-hmm. The first, the first student to rip it out was Charlie Dalton. He was the first one to do it. He goes right. You know, you, you knew he's a bit of a go getter. Yep. You see, uh, Neil was sort of looking around. Yeah, okay, he he does it. Yep. Cameron, remember Cameron, who's sort of the real conservative, the real oh, worried he's going to get into trouble. He sort of he got his ruler out and wanted to tear it neatly. <laughs> so they all that little scene shows sort of a little glimpse into their characters. And and do you remember when the teacher he goes into the back room to get the garbage bin to, for them to put the pages in, mm. and the teacher just looks in the room and sees them ripping pages and tearing pages out. Storms in. He goes, "What's going on here?" And then Mr. Keating walks out. He goes, "Oh, sorry, I didn't know you were here." He goes, "Oh, I am." So that that kind of established again. Wow, this teacher's thinking, "What the hell is this bloke doing?" But it also Holy that that well. also establishes that potential um, rift between you know Keating, Robin Williams' character, and the rest of the teaching faculty because yes. he was so different, and and that's that's a big part of the whole thing, right? But then you move on, and I think they're 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 at getting lunch or something, and a lot of the boys are then huddled around thinking, who is this guy? They know he's a former student. They find an old yearbook and they're looking through it at him, and and there's this mention in the yearbook of the Dead Poets Society. What was the Dead Poets Society? The Dead Poets were dedicated to sucking the marrow out of life. Spirits soared, women swooned, and gods were created. Not a bad way to spend an evening, eh? (laughs) (laughs) You know, confronting him about what is this, because you'd look at this and go, what's the Dead Poets Society? So you'd have to ask. As a kid wanting to know. It's the name of the movie. I love it when they mention the name of the movie in the movie. I like that. Right. That's because, a bit OCD of me. I, I like it when that happens. You know, it's it's their way of going, hang on a minute, this guy is 
they're starting to already look up to this guy and have this fascination, respect, a whole bunch of things about him. And, and they literally, from that moment, they're, they're off. They're going to convene the, 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 yeah. the next version of the Dead Poet Society, and, and that they do. I do like it when at this when they're trying to get his attention. Remember, he's walking away. They've got the yearbook, and they say, "Mr. Keating, Mr. Keating." And then one of them says, "Oh, Captain, captain my captain. captain!" And he stops yeah. and turns around. He he, he responds to that. But so, and, and isn't they, that interesting? And we'll get to we'll get to this again later at the show. But it's interesting how important that line becomes in 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 several parts of it. Because firstly, you know, it's him introducing himself as this strange teacher. Then yeah. it's there to get his attention, and then obviously later on we'll hear it again. Does yeah. Well, we they do they do end up going to the cave. They have their first meeting of the Dead Poet Society, and then the very next day we sort of in class with Keating, and we see how he's not only is he has a different teaching style, but how he comes across. He's got he does all his voices and and makes his class not only interesting but also entertaining. Yeah. Like he does his Marlon Brando accent and John Wayne, and at the very end of that lesson, then he stands up on the desk, and they say, "Well, what what are you doing up there?" He goes, "I do like to get up on here because I think every now and again you really need to change your point of view." Mm-hmm. And they all then stand up on the desk, and they all they all do that as well. But it just establishes that that I think for a lot of the students, this class of his was something they had to do. Yeah, it's not like they were going to be. This was critical to their success. But this no. was something they were. It's like like I went to a Catholic school, so religion was a subject we had to do. That was a, yeah. there was you no know, getting out of it. Yeah, anyone in high school, school, you know, go to English, maths, and science kind of thing, and yeah. it's like English. I have no need for English in my life. So that you know, this deep dive into poetry when you want to be a doctor, it's like what the heck. And so it it really paints him in that way. And well, that yeah. you know, it's also those messages, right? Different point of view. Um, and him him putting that across. But yeah. I think this is a really important part of the movie where they've spent all this time on essentially establishment, you know, establishing the broad principle of the movie, the characters, and, you know, really deep dive into the teacher. But then we kind of spin off now and start looking at Neil. Um, uh, and he's sitting in his room. He's he's under a lot of pressure from from his dad to do certain things. But he confesses to, to, to Todd, his young, uh, new, uh, you know, very nervous uh, roommate that he wants to act for the first time in my whole life i know what i want to do and for the first time i'm going to do it so that great moment yeah it is and and i think what the scene before this was which we're talking about was each of the students then sort of he you can tell the keating was getting through to him he was getting through to they realized you know you could see you see the little close-ups of them during the scenes with keating and you see them the reactions on their faces, you could tell, wow, this is sinking in. It's really affecting them. And this was the first of the students. And others have their own actions as well throughout the film. Because this Neil, is their very first Neil, this is this is Neil, you know, admitting openly that he's going to rebel. Rebel against his father, rebel against the path that he's been put on, which, yeah. you know, his father had, had set up very well early in the movie. Um, and, and, you know, he wants to act and you're like, okay, dude, whatever. But then he goes off, he, he auditions and he gets the part. So, so you realize in this very short space of the movie, this is, this is an important part because yeah. this is going to be one heck of a fight when his dad finds out. And so in the, in the meantime, there are, we, we see, and we haven't mentioned this scene, but it not knocks over street. He's invited to his father's friend's house yeah. for dinner and he meets Chris and that's, he becomes his journey trying to win over Chris so that 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 happens as well but um then the next the next scene was I think where Todd Anderson 
he, he was told at the end of the scene, remember the scene where they're standing up on the desk and, and Robin Williams goes to him and goes, and you know what, next thing you have to do, you're going to read a poem and you've got to stand up and read it in front of the whole class. And Todd Anderson was on the desk. He goes, and I know how much that terrifies you. Yes. And so this is the scene now where we've come to that po- point and the, this scene actually starts with Knox reading out a love poem to Chris. So he... Yeah, he, he gets a little he gets a bit of razzing from the from his students, his his classmates. But then Robert Williams says, Well, you know what? Love is a very strong theme of theme of poetry. That's not unusual. And then he gets up gets tot up and says, uh, right, I'm trying to put you out of your misery. And this is when he tells them where about uh, he writes a line out another Walt Whitman um, poem, uh, I, I scream my barbaric yawp and he asked Todd Anderson, give me a barbaric yawp. That becomes their catchphrase. Yawp is when they something happens to them um, throughout the movie. They use that term. But then he Todd admits, look, I didn't write the I didn't write a poem. Mm. And Robin Williams, I like to have he says, he goes, What do you what there's what do you mean there's nothing you feel like worth? What is inside you is worthless? Come on. And he really pressures him then and yeah. says, right, look at the picture, tell me what you think of. Don't think, just talk. And he just comes up with this amazing, this amazing flow. Yeah. And you can see the whole class is stunned. And Robin Williams whispers to him in the end, "Don't forget this. He's, he's made a breakthrough. Yes. That's what I wrote in my notes. Notes here. Todd's breakthrough. breakthrough. And yeah. it, it is. It's a. It, it's an important thing. And that's again. You, you'd like to think that in in school at a school like this, right? Like you're not going to get this in a public school, but you'd like to think in a, in a in a deeply private, exclusive school like this, your child is going to get that attention. So for a teacher to a Picked this guy in a lineup. Essentially, he picked that he was shy. He knew that, that was going to scare him. Um, he kind of probably knew that he was going to come up with nothing when he stood up there. He was ready for that, um, and to drag it out of him is both a success for for the teacher as much as it is for the student and a breakthrough for the class. It, it's Absolutely. funny how those little moments are just so poignant to the whole situation because then we follow kind of Todd a little bit and we find out it's Todd's birthday and he's up on like a bridge between two. Um, two buildings or something and he's he's looking at his birthday present yeah and and i think neil comes up to neil him, comes and, up him yeah. and he opens it up and it's a desk set he's already got this and he actually you <laughs> you see this desk set when he when he arrives at class he puts it down in, sorry at his, at his room puts it down on his desk in his room and you think that's a very strange thing for a kid to you know have and, <laughs> and bring but there it is and then he gets the exact same thing for his birthday um and it kind of paints it's a funny thing because he he says it's the same thing they gave me la- last year yeah. And I think he indicates that they probably don't even realise that. So there's this moment where you realise he's completely detached from his parents. They're probably just, you know, um, giving him the money to go to the school and not really caring too much about yeah. him. And don't forget, his older brother was the superstar. So he's yeah. probably his older brother was probably the favourite, and he was sort of the the shy younger child who didn't get the same attention. Yeah. yeah. And I love this because Neil Neil encourages him, and I think Neil just throws it off, throws, uh, throws it off the bridge, and. Again, it's it's almost almost like that, you know, standing up and and free free form poetry. But you know, that's a that's a yeah. breakthrough moment. I love for his him. line too, Neil's line at the end, where he goes, "Well, don't worry, yes, you'll probably get another one next year." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, moving along, uh, this is another favorite scene of mine where Charlie brings girls to the cave. Do you remember that? Yeah. He brings these two girls to the Dead Poets Society meeting in the cave, and this was the scene where a few things happened. First of all, he says, "From now on." I'll know, I want to be known as Nawanda. <laughs> Don't call me Charlie. The name's Nawanda. So that's that's number one. But the second thing that he reveals at this meeting was that he slipped an article into the school newspaper. 
Yeah. And he said, well, talking about the Dead Poets Society. And they said, how the hell did you do that? He said, well, I'm a, one of the proofreaders. I slipped it in. And so this sort of leads to the next scene where there's a school assembly, an inquiry about the whole thing, and the phone phone starts ringing in the middle of the assembly, and it's and it's Charlie saying, oh, there's – it's God. He goes, it's for you. It's a call, phone, call, phone call from God. He wants girls to attend Wilton. <laughs> so, and it's like the ultimate muckraking, right? He's a stuck-up little kid in in, a, in the most serious of assemblies, and he's got with him a phone. He makes it ring, and he, he literally tells a, a joke line to the most important person in the school, the principal. And you can imagine the reaction from the kids around. It's just like both shock and awe. Um, in awe of him for being able to do it, and also shock because it's like the yeah, most... Pretty bold, isn't it? Like yeah, he's the he most rebellious it. thing you could do. So, Here's another journey there. So we know Neil, we've, what he's doing, Todd sort of coming out of his shell. Here's Charlie's journey as well, becoming this really, you know, obnoxious kid, just thinking, I'm just going to do it, not thinking about it. So you can sort of see the effects that they're having from his class. Yeah, and um, and I think that's, that's again, it's also, I think, I would assume, this is these are the problems of a big exclusive private school. These kids, uh, you know, trust fund babies in many cases. Others, it's 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 their whole lives put into it, and you're going to have this rebellious streak. You you would absolutely see this in the most exclusive places, but then because we've got that kind of pressure on Neil to be this this person and to, you know, his realization he wants to be an actor. His dad has found out. His dad turns yeah. up at the school, uh, confronts him, and tells him to pull out. And and the thing about that is, it's initially you think, oh, that's that's a bit harsh, and then you realise because Neil says it, but the place like tonight or tomorrow, it's it's, tomorrow, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's the it's not like he's just got the part and he's starting to learn the lines. He's his dad is asking him to pull out at the very last minute of this performance uh, in his life, and you can just you can just see how cut up he is about it. It's it's tragic. And and is this, this is I think is also the scene where he asks. I think the. That how he found out about it was he said, "Oh, my son is in a, my daughter's in a play with your son." He goes, "What are you talking about? My son's not in a play." Yeah. And he says, "You made a liar out of me, Neil." So he sort of he found yeah. out. Remember, he wrote the letter. He had he, to write. He forged he Neil letter. forged letters yes. to and from everyone to get approval to be in it, uh, even though he didn't really have it. And yeah, one of the other parents from one of the other yeah. kids in the play. What? A, how unlucky! Eh? Unlucky for the guy. But you, you, honestly, in in his dad's defence, it would be. The worst thing to hear well, of that course, yeah. the kid had completely gone against you and hear it from someone else, not just it from was, the school. I think it's also the first time where Neil's dad, we'll call him Mr. Perry, Mr. Perry asks about, he goes, who put you up to this? Was it this Mr. Keating? And so this is kind of the first seed of the, you know, he's, he's interfering sort of whether that seed's planted. Because you can imagine that obviously this is a condensed um, you know, very short movie in, in the sense of a whole timeline of, of a maybe half a year or a semester. You can imagine in this school environment, this teacher, word would get out among the That's among right. the teaching community, among the parents, word absolutely would get out about this, um, you know, strange teaching methods and all that. And that's why Mr. Perry raises that as a potential reasoning for Neil's absolute, you know, middle finger to his dad. So next up, we've got Knox convincing Chris to go to the play with him. Now, what's happened before this? Do you remember he went to the party? Yeah. He said, I'll come down. And it was Chet. Is that his name? Chet Danbury was the, he, her boyfriend. And he was there stroking hair. He got the, got, the, got the 
crap. I love, I love the fact that uh, Back to the Future was was around at this time, and we're talking about Chet and Biff and some great <laughs> some great movie names. They mistook him, they mistook him for he goes tell he goes aren't you Mutt's brother? Tell Mutt to the to the mighty Mutt. Remember they Can were we get a crossover place? with Chet Banbury and Biff Tanner? <laughs> That'd be good. Maybe a sequel. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but here's uh, Knox with Chris. And so, again, he that's his journey. He wants yeah. to win Chris. And uh, he convinces her to go to the play with him because Chet apparently is a bit of a, he's a, bit of a jock. He's a and he says that to her, right? Yeah. She, she goes, I'd love to go. And and he's, he basically says, and what would he do? Like, he's not going to yeah. go with you. And if he did go, it'd be embarrassing. Basically was the sense that you get. And and it was he he was saying look he goes if you don't if you don't have a good time tonight I'll never bother you again yep. so this was him sort of putting himself out there saying right this is it they go to the play so great great first date for them uh, they go to the play and uh, and we all know it's a Midsummer Night's Dream and Neil's in the lead Neil's playing Puck did you study this play at school Shakespeare no. oh, we did this at school Midsummer Night's Dream so yeah. I, I do remember this I do remember seeing this actually this production back in the day. Yeah, I mean, you've got to remember, I don't read books either. Yeah, <laughs> no okay. movies, no books. So I'm literally, <laughs> you know, flying blind when it comes to anything, uh, anything um, thespian of the of the style. Um, but the the play is then one of the most critical parts of the movie because I, I think, and I'm 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 assuming I'm not the only one, but he's playing the part. Neil's leading the role. It's going great. He's doing he, well. Yeah. He's looking. He looks out the out the wings of the stage and sees his dad at the back. Yes. And you think to you, oh, I thought to my, myself, oh, this is awesome. His dad came. Like, yeah, his dad. He wasn't supposed to. Remember early on they said he's going to be in Chicago for a few days. He's not going to be there. But he but also, just 24 hours ago, he, he was told not to be in the play. So yeah. you've got this moment of, okay, so what happened here? Did he, did he tell, did he, is he, is he going against his dad's wishes or is he going against his dad's wishes and his dad's just putting up with it? What's happening yeah. here? That, that was, the, just, just on that, oh, that was an interesting point because, he tells Mr. Keating that my dad says, look, you know, he, he's he's going to let me do it. But did he actually do that? Did he tell his dad? I, th- I, I suspect he said nothing yeah, and oh, just went on with it anyway. That, that, that was – it didn't come across to me that Neil's dad had been told either way. Yeah. Neil's dad – in my mind, Neil's dad was under the assumption this kid was not going to be in the play. So he either did tell him that he was yeah. going to do it and, and he was going against his wishes and he wanted him to know that up front or Neil's dad found out another way because he turns up at the play. And so for me, I'm watching this thinking, okay, so his dad's here. Um, this is a big moment because his dad's going to be proud of him. He's going to see him do this thing. His dad doesn't strike me. I'm watching it going, this is the most boring play I've ever seen. I'm, I'm tipping that's what Neil's dad's thinking, right? He's yeah. thinking, you know, he's he's in the theatre. This is not what I want for him. I don't want him to be an actor, let alone all these effeminate parts and whatnot. So. He's literally looking at it going, what is this? But is he also just proud that he is playing this exciting role? That yeah. was, in my mind, I went with, we're going to get, this movie is going to end with this beautiful reconciliation and, and this movement towards this young guy getting to do what he wanted. That's the roller coaster of emotions that I, this movie presents because we know what happens next. Yeah, well, the next scene is Neil, uh, his father takes him home and there's a bit of friction between um the students, the, the students all stood up. I remember they all yeah. did a big yawp. You know, they they were really they they loved his performance and they were really happy for him. And then when his father's bringing him out of the theatre, um, he turns around to kidding as you stay away from my son. And that's so, the moment where it turns. Yeah. So you've got this thing where his his dad's there. He meets him. He waits for him to get changed, and everything comes out. And he you think that he's going to walk him out. I don't know. You know, to take him home or whatever. But 
and, and it, the car's just there, but it, it's that moment where he turns to him and says, you stay away from my son, that you realise, oh, no, he's not on board here. <laughs> the dad yeah, exactly is not right. on board. And then he, they take him home, and he's, he's home, his mother's waiting at home, and his father says, look, why do you continue? Why do you insist on defying us? Defying us? And, then he, and then he lays the news on him. Then he goes, I'm withdrawing you from Welton. You're going to a military academy. You're going to Harvard, and you're going to become a doctor. And that's it. And then when he tries to speak, this is the heartbreaking part for me is when he tries to speak up for himself and he's got nothing. He, he's got, he has yeah. nothing as what say something. And he, he's got nothing. And he, I think he's at that point you think, well, this guy, he's defeated. Yeah. He's defeated. And we all know what happens next. Now, I, I really want to hear your impressions here because you seeing it for the first time, remember what you told me when you saw this scene and what he opened up the window and tell me what you were thinking then. I honestly, I didn't think he was going to kill himself. I really didn't. Um, I I knew there was this huge friction. I assumed we were going to go down the path of, you know, run away or something like that. I yeah. I just never saw it escalating to that level. And it was so heartbreaking because, so you know, the emotions of this, you know, very, uh, not stuck up family, this very humble family that's, you know, trying to do well for themselves and their son you know, yeah. a mum, the mum who clearly in that era is just the mum and the housewife and, you know, yeah. has no say. You can imagine in a modern era, she'd be up in arms fighting for Neil to be able to do the play and that kind of stuff. But, you know, there's there's this thing where the mum and dad are in bed and it's not like you hear a gunshot. No. Yeah. The there's father just, just sits up, I'll bolt upright and goes, what was that? Yeah. And I think yeah. that's smart because I don't, I've never heard a gunshot in, 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 yeah. in my sleep, but you can imagine being asleep. And, yeah. and hearing something and wondering what it was. And that was very well done. It was that impression of what was that. And so you don't know until he gets down there to the study and you don't even see, but you see the, you know, his feet behind the desk. You, you realize that a little cloud of smoke in the corner. But, but also just before that, what were you thinking when he had the window open? He had his shirt off. He had the window open. I remember that with that little crown he was yeah. wearing during yeah. the play. Yeah, but that that to me that that was almost like had like a biblical reference, like yeah. a crown of thorns he was wearing. You know, this is this is my burden, the crown of thorns that he wore, and he put it near the window. He was sort of bracing himself against the cold, and then we know what he did. He, he oh, ends up killing I, himself. I I honestly just thought saw it as being this kind of poignant transition of of the character. I didn't. I just. Mate, him killing himself really hit me for six, um, and that's why I described this as such so an emotional huge, It was a huge plot term, wasn't it? So you, you didn't see that coming. It really sort no. of changed the whole direction of the movie for you, didn't it? Not at all. Uh, I did not see that coming at all, and oh. you just realise at that point that's where this thing, you know, is going to just completely turn against Robin Williams now because having already established that Mr. Perry blames, you know, uh, Mr. Keating for what's going on in Neil's head and this transition to acting and all that rubbish, you can tell – everything's going to fall onto uh, onto Mr. Kenning, which is, you know, what happens next. This literal investigation happens, you know, and the school, you know, from the top to the bottom um, are now working to understand what happened, to unpack yeah. what's been going on in um, in his classes and what impact he had on him. It's 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 a witch hunt. What we see here is the, the students like, you know, Charlie, um, Knox, all those students are called in one by one to sign a document, mm. and the the you you don't see those characters in the meeting. The, the meeting the the character you see you follow in there is Todd Anderson. He's the last one in, and his parents are there, 
And I don't know what I, what I did when I watched this this time. I actually hit the pause, pause button and looked at you the did, You saw the document, right? The document that had all the five signatures of the other kids. One one more for for Todd, and the document had all these things that Mister Keating um, uh, through his uh, in, impressions, but encouraged him to take up acting against the express wishes of, against the express wishes of his father. So it was loaded up against Keating. And the parents sitting there saying, Todd, sign the document. Sign yeah. it now. You're staying at this school. Now, the message yeah. was simple. You're staying at this school. You're going to get this education. We need to move on from this episode. Sign it so yeah. that we can we can keep you here. Well, just before that as well, there was – do you remember when they were sitting in the room and uh, Dolt Charlie saying, he goes, oh, where Cameron? He goes, he's ratting us out right now. He's, he, where is he? And Cameron comes in the room. He goes, what's happening, guys? He goes, you, you ratted us out, didn't you? Remember, he punches him. Yeah. And he says, they said, look, you, you, you don't know, there is an honour code at this school, you know. If a teacher asks you a question, you answer you answer them. Yeah. And so he kind of gave them up before this, the invest, the, as the investigation was beginning, Cameron was too happy, only happy and too happy to, to, give, to give up on Keating. But that brings us, of course, to the final scene of the film, which is where uh, – the, the students have signed this document. Keating is is out. His 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 class is uh, is is coming to order, and the principal walks in as a stand-in. And Mr. Keating arrives to collect his things, and that was the point where Todd Anderson had the had the like this, this previously shy and meek young kid had the courage to say, Mr. Keating, were they forced to sign it? We didn't – they made us sign it. I didn't mean what was written in that. And he goes, oh, I know, mate, I know. Yeah. And the final final shot is him climbing up on the desk and all the others – most of the other students following suit and him saying to him for the final time, oh, captain, my My captain. captain. And he turns around and sort of turns – not quite a happy ending, but a more positive ending, don't you think? Is it my recollection? Um, that not every kid stands. And I think no. that's an important no, part don't. of that yeah. ending is, you know, because no no teacher as flamboyant or extravagant or different or great would ever win over the whole class. And again, it's those brilliant things because you imagine as an idiot just, you know, writing a movie going, this is what's going to happen. And they all stand up on their tables and they say this. But it actually makes more impact for four or five of them to just sit there going, guys, yeah. come on. Move on. We got to we got to learn the poetry now. The principal's here. Yeah. Um, you know, I liked I, I liked at that start of that scene where the principal asked, "Yes, <laughs> go, go, go. Let's go back to the principal, introduction." Principal said, "The excellent introduction." And and by the way, that's a fictional book. You know, that doesn't exist. That book. Right. That's fictional. That author. Um, and he goes, he goes, "What do you mean?" He goes, he goes, "We don't have that, sir. So um, it was ripped out." He goes, "Well, do you someone else?" He goes, "No, they're all ripped out." <laughs> he goes, "Yeah, he's fine." <laughs> so yeah, it was. Oh, but pretty, I just you know, and I know that was that, like so that's. That's where you go with those iconic scenes, right? All the kids jumping up on the desk, you know. It's just... You'd seen that before, eh? Standing up oh, on the desk, you with, knew of that. you got to remember, with zero context. Yeah. Right? It made – and it's not one of those – it's not a scene that is so common that in, in, you know, in pop culture anywhere that I was expecting it to happen. So I wasn't wondering why I hadn't seen it yet or anything. Yeah. But I, I totally get it and know it and see it now. And it's just such a great way to round out uh, a film like that, it was it was yeah, really think, great stuff. I think it shows that they they've completed their journey. Especially, I, I see Todd Anderson, Ethan Hawke's character. Yeah, I see him as one of the main characters. Yeah, I see what his you're saying. journey was the biggest one because so it, the, you, you could you could actually say that Neil was the 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 main um, the main student character in terms of performance, yeah. but yeah. in terms of the 
the storyline. It's yeah. actually Todd who goes from, you know, this completely and utterly shy, you know, who gets taken on a journey with a bunch of, you know, not jocks, but a bunch of, you know, very outgoing students. Yeah. And then into this, you know, stand up. He's he's the guy that leads the the recognition of this guy who will, you know, you can imagine these these kids in, in their adult lives would have spoken of this teacher forever, yeah, you know, absolutely. impact on their lives. Absolutely. One of my favourite things about this movie is a lot of, a lot of great lines yes. in the movie too. So, and, and probably... I, mate, I think, you know, we already, we already um, um, spoke of the oh, Captain, My Captain, but the, the other one, which, I, again, I'd heard this line, and it, it's obviously not a line, it's actually, uh, you know, um, Latin, but the use of it is brilliant, and it's, it sees the day. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. The Latin term for that sentiment is carpe diem. Now, who knows what that means? Carpe diem. That ceased the day. Very good, Mr. Meeks. Meeks. Another unusual name. <laughs> seize the day. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. So that, that, that's the movie in a sentence there, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. It really is, and it's such a great... Again, it's it's a weird. Isn't it a weird thing to? It's not to you because I'm because uh, you're such a movie buff. But it, movies really can have an impact. You know, movies yeah. really can. Like I, I actually really am. I'm going to make Jacko watch this because I think he'll yeah. love it. Um, and I think there's a, there's an important story um, in the journey of the characters. I think that as a as a parent, you learn about you know uh, adolescence and and how ki- you remind yourself of of adolescence and the kids wanting to you know do their own thing and stuff. So. It's it's a, it's a such a great story. My my favorite quote follows uh, the similar sense of what you were saying about how a mo- movies can move people. And and in in this scene that that we're going to hear my quote from, he Keating is saying it. He goes, "Don't kid yourself." He goes, "Words can have meaning, can have impact. They're very powerful." And my favorite quote uh, leads up to this: "We read and write poetry because we are members of the human race, and the human race." is filled with passion. Medicine, law, business, engineering, these are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. So that that kind of defines that, yeah, okay, you're going to work hard, become a lawyer, make a, a ton of money, you're going to be a doctor, he goes, but what are you doing that for? Yes. That was really – that had a big impact on me, that sentence where he goes, that, that these things are what we – why you're working so hard. You're working so hard because of these things. Yeah. It's, Love, it's, romance, family. That's why you're working so hard. Again, that's why it's a great movie to show someone uh, – Jackson's only 15. So, you know, because you learn that, you yeah, mate, you could be anything and you could be a doctor or a pilot or whatever you want to be. Yeah. But outside of that pursuit, and, and again, it's that moment of engineers are needed. We need engineers for society. We need lawyers. Yeah. We need do- Otherwise, the whole thing doesn't work. But outside of that, everyone needs just just this other stuff. We, we need yeah. inspiration. We need love. We need life. We need all that stuff. So, so cool. The, the one that I, I want to just mention, though, because <laughs> I feel like, and maybe, maybe there's a story to this, maybe there isn't, I don't know, but I feel like if anything, this this is a Robin Williams inspired line because the phone call from God, where he's sitting there and he picks up the phone and he says, "It's God, it's for you." Robin, after that moment, where this kid's in big trouble, but you know, Mister Keating, you know, in a quiet moment, says to him, "You know what? If it had been collect, it had been daring." <laughs> 
<laughs> and that just strikes me as such a comet comedic yeah. line, you know. It's it because I watch a lot of comedy. I watch a lot of comedians talking about other comedians, and I can imagine Robin Williams seeing a, a stand up at a you know comedy club in in LA come off and just saying to him, "Mate, if you if it had been collect, it had been daring." <laughs> you know, it's just it yeah. felt like Robin Williams himself put that line in. Absolutely. All right, we're going to move on to the how did that happen? Um, my first one is. Neil, how did he – he suddenly had this book. Remember when they talked about Dead Poets Society and then suddenly he was holding this book that once belonged to Keating. Yeah. There's no – I'm thinking, where did that come from? Yeah, but I, I looked at that and went, well, you know, big libraries in this library, book. Yeah. And it's also a very small school, yeah. right? Yeah. It's a small yeah. school. The whole school fits into one, you know, very reasonably small church. So – yeah, I just went, no, nope, that's fine. They go to the library, they find the yearbook. There can't be too many copies of this book, and he's found the one. If there was more than one, he's found the one with his writing. Yeah. My next, my next, uh, my next question is, how did Charlie Dalton make the phone ring in the middle of the assembly? Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good trick for 1959. When we mentioned, it's not like you got a mobile phone. How did he do that? When you mentioned that in the in the memorable <laughs> moments, I did think to myself for a moment. I went, actually, yeah. how did he? Yeah. So yes, fair fair play. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. Uh, similar similar question to remember when Robin Williams took him out and told him uh, gave him a piece of paper read out a, a phrase and kick the ball, and he had a record player out there. It was a record player in the middle of the field. Yeah, that's either a very long extension cord. <laughs> I don't know how he got that to work either. Uh, the other the other one is do you remember that scene that which you mentioned where Neil received his uh, desk set? Yep. Right. Uh, apparently, did you notice it was it was covered in shrink wrap? Yeah. That would yeah, shrink wrap apparently wasn't invented until the 70s. <laughs> uh, this is 1959, and pens and paper still flying everywhere, despite the fact that it was, uh, despite the fact that it was shrink wrapped. Uh, my next question is Charlie Dalton. Now he was expelled. You recall he was expelled. Mm-hmm. Was he expelled for punching Cameron, or was he expelled for his role in the Dead Poet Society for putting the article in the in the school newspaper? Was it just a combination of things that got him expelled, or Remember when he punched Cameron? He goes, "Oh, you just you've just bought yourself. You're just expelled." Do you reckon yeah. that would have been it, or was it accumulation of all? Oh, this? I would have thought it was you know, three strikes and you're out kind of policy. Right. My other question is: Did Keating deserve to be sacked? Now, before you answer that, remember it's 1959, very conservative time, uh, very sort of meek and mild school. I think Dalton sums it up. He goes, "You know, schools go down for incidents like this, yeah. so they needed they needed the scapegoat." Do you think Keating deserved to go uh, at the in the in the time period? Yes, that's the answer because the the thing is deserved to for what happened. Absolutely not. But was he always going to go? Yes, because it wasn't yeah. about how, how Neil had tragically took taken his own life it was nothing to do with that it was that his teaching methods did not align with the rest of the teaching faculty he stood out like a sore thumb and they needed a scapegoat to appease all the other parents you can just you can absolutely imagine it's still happening today frankly um he didn't fit in he needed to go um he, he he took the blame yeah moving on to things you might not know trevor peter weir who was the director aussie director he to create. I remember I said to you the very young cast of characters, school school students. What he did, he wanted to create this bond among these young actors, and what he did to do to get that happening was he made them room together. He oh, said, "Right, really? you're all going to be living together." So he made them all. I like, didn't give their own rooms. Everything. They all like like we're in a boarding school. Yeah. 
And he also encouraged them not to use any modern slang. He said, don't use any modern slang. Yep. And he got them to read books and listen to music from the 50s so they could sort of get into the mindset yep. to sort of knew, know what was sort of culturally what was happening. So I think that was a that, – that succeeded, I think. The bunking, the rooming together is a very smart idea, isn't it? Because that yeah. – you know, they were young. They they needed to create that kind of rapport that is, you know, this click group because that's what it was, yeah. right? It was it was it wasn't like it was a story about the whole class. It was no. a story about the click group of that became the dead poets. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's that's awesome. What else? What also helped there was uh, the fact the film was shot in chronological order. Right. And normally in Hollywood, what they do is they'd shoot a scene from the end. It shoot another scene at the beginning, and it's based all mixed on up. based on where they were or what set. Yeah, so okay, they're, they're going to shoot all the scenes in this location now. Then they're going to shoot all the scenes in that location. So generally, it's all over the shop. In this instance, the film was shot in chronological order, and when the when they were filming post suicide, mm. Peter Weir told Robert Sean Leonard to stay away from the set and don't communicate with any of the other actors. Wow, I want them to feel that you're gone. So that's what he encouraged them to do. So they wow. they they really thought, well, Neil's gone. Both genius. In in real life, he's not a present, but his character also passed away as well. Mm. Um, interesting uh, stories about Ethan Hawke apparently dropped out of college to audition for Dead Poets Society. Wow. He said that this was an interview he had on Conan O'Brien show. He said that I was going to college. I did hear about this audition. He got the audition and dropped out of college. Wow. So uh, dropped out ironic. of college to do a movie about college. <laughs> I thought that was ironic as well. <laughs> Ethan Hawke thought apparently that Robin Williams hated him. Oh wow! There was an interview he did on Graham Norton show one time, and I've read this elsewhere. That he's Ethan Hawke tells the story that he he arrived on set as a young serious actor, and Robin Williams naturally was a was an ad libber, really yep. funny guy, and he was he just he was trying to stay in character. And Robin Williams was just trying to make everybody laugh. <laughs> and in, in that time, he thought because he didn't laugh, he thought Robin Williams kept picking on him, trying to make him laugh, and he thought that he, he didn't like him. But as it turned out, after the film wrapped, he got, got a call. Ethan Hawke gets a call from an agent to say, uh, I'm ringing uh, on recommendation of Robin Williams. He said that you are going to be a, an actor. We'd like to represent you. Wow. So Robin Williams actually got uh, set him, him up with an agent. So yeah. helped him with that. That's what he said. He, he got his career started. Wow. Um, Tom Shulman, who was the author of the screenplay, who wrote the screenplay, based the screenplay on his own high school experiences. He went to school in Nashville, in Tennessee. And the professor at his school, his name was Samuel Pickering. So Keating, Pickering. So based on that. Funny thing is, apparently Tom Shulman, he did a, uh, a script to screenplay talk at a, at a, on YouTube that I watched, and he was saying that apparently he was receiving a lot of calls from his old schoolmates asking if some of which the characters was which? based on them. Yeah, yeah was that right. me? Was that you? So that, that was pretty funny as well. That's cool. The uh, casting, a casting uh, little, little bit of trivia here, the part of John Keating was initially offered to Dustin Hoffman. Oh, wow. Dustin Hoffman, who he was on board, but he said, I want, I'm on board if I can direct the movie as well. Oh. And they said, yeah, maybe not. So they, they dumped him and they went to Peter Weir and they brought Tom, uh, brought Robert Williams on board as well. Right. And do, would you, did you know also, there was also talk of a sequel. You know what? I was, th- I was just going to say that, that yeah. um, the way it ended and all that kind of stuff, it really could have, it could have gone on. Like you could see. Who it- would be the character you would follow though? Um, I, I I would want to see 
a, a two two arc. I'd want to see more of Robin Williams, definitely. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I think, I think definitely, um, I think Todd. I think you would Todd follow Anderson. Todd. Yeah, you're right. Well, the the sequel, the talk. There was initial talk of the sequel following Todd Anderson, his journey, who he follows in Mr. Keating's footsteps and becomes right. a teacher himself. Yep. But none of the original cast was available, so they canned it. So it was a great idea at the time, but uh, not supported. Now, did you notice, Trevor? I'm going to ask a question here. And uh, did you notice what are the four pillars? Gentlemen, what are the four pillars? Tradition, honor, discipline, excellence. You get that, mate? Tradition, Tradition, honor. Honor, discipline, discipline excellence. excellence. I think they make a joke of it too. They they call one of them uh, excrement. I think they, <laughs> they, they joke about it. But um, did you also notice that uh, Mr. Perry says to Neil, you're going to medical school and you're going to be a doctor? And that's exactly what he did. He went on a star in house. Oh, that's what doctor. I was just going to say. I'm yeah. like, he actually did quite well. Uh, and, and an yeah. oncologist did <laughs> that. Not the only one either. Josh Charles, who plays Knox Overstreet, yeah. whose dad, you remember in when he went to the Danbury's house, and he says, oh, how's your dad? He goes, oh, he just closed this big case for GM. He goes, oh, you, you look just like your dad. You're going to follow in his footsteps. Yeah. Turns out he also become became, uh, in, in, in the show The Good Wife, played a lawyer oh, yeah. in The Good <laughs> Wife as well. The other, the other thing that I don't know whether you noticed, there was a really good scene when they woke Todd Anderson up and told him that Neil was dead. Do you remember yeah. this scene? Yeah. And apparently what happened here – it was Peter Weir wanted to shoot this a certain way, but he noticed the snow starting to fall. He said, look, you know what? We're going to do this. We're going to do it right now. We're going to do it outside in the snow. So just a snap decision to film that scene. You remember that scene? And it was done in one take. Wow. They got it right. It's a split-second decision. It's snowing. Let's do it out here. Boom. They got it. Wow. Fantastic scene. Righto, mate. We're at the end of the podcast here. What's your wrap-up and your rating? What do you think? Mate, straight up, it's a 9 out of 10 for me. I loved it. My um, record's pretty clean so far, yeah, mate. I like yeah, yeah. oh, To be honest, when I look at the list and our thoughts of movies, I, you know, Planet of the Apes was the one that was most likely to go wrong for you, and you've done well yeah. there. So yeah. I'm, I'm on board for the journey, and hopefully everyone else is too. But, you know, I, I like this because, you know, I, I, I no, make no bones about the fact that I get very emotional in movies, um, and I... I and I, I like that. I like it's tearjerker, I reckon. There's some parts of this movie where, you know what, my bottom chin was wobbling a little bit. I, I, got, goose, I got goosebumps just thinking about it, you know. It's yeah. it's it's a it's a good powerful movie. movie it's powerful. It, powerful's the word, yeah. It's yeah. a powerful movie. It's one I want my kids to see, not just because they've seen Mrs. Doubtfire, I want to see Roland Williams another way. Like <laughs> I think that's that's a great thing about it, but also just the the, yeah. the general principles of it and stuff are, are fantastic. And, you know, I mean it's it's kind of weird to recommend a movie that includes suicide to your kids, but you know this is a, an issue in society. Um, that, that's why I think it should be talked about. It's yeah, it's very good. totally right. Well, mate, you know you know I rate this highly. I'll, yep. I won't put a number on it, but it's up there. Um, it, it's it is a favourite. I have watched this movie many many multiple times, and that initial viewing though in the cinema by myself was yeah. still still stays with me today. Phenomenal. If, that stays if it was any other movie, I don't think it would have had the same effect. But it it was a it was a powerful film on its own. But seeing it in that way made it even more powerful to me. I, I still remember how how I watch it. So that's that's Dead Pulp Society. I'm really happy that you've finally seen this movie now, Trevor. Yeah, so. absolutely. And if you want to see it as well, um, jump on Fetch. If you've got a Fetch, uh, search it up using the Universal Search, using the Voice Search. Uh, when when you're looking at a movie, you can also view the cast and characters. And that allows you to deep dive into other movies they've, they're, they're in as well. So it's a great way to explore 
an actor and, and, and their own works. You can do all that on Fetch, rent or buy. Um, and if you haven't got Fetch, you can find them at uh, all major retailers and you can ask your internet provider whether they provide Fetch as part of a plan. Well, that's a wrap on Dead Poet Society. Be sure to join us again next week. We are a bit more of a recent film. We're talking about Joker next week, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Oscar-winning performance for Joaquin Phoenix. I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this one. This is a different type of movie yet again for you, Trev. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on Joker. We'll be back.